A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box. And $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Welcome to Pantsuit Politics, where a woman from the right and a woman from the left accessorize the news with a fresh perspective. Sarah Holland from the left. This is Beth Silvers from the right. And welcome to Pantsuit Politics, where we accessorize the news with a fresh perspective. Um, As always, we wanted to kick off this podcast by um, asking, maybe a little bit begging you to give us a review on iTunes. Uh, It helps other people discover Pantsuit Politics, and we really appreciate it. So with that, Beth, you want to kick us off with the pearls? Yeah, so we decided to do kind of our holiday-themed episode today, and so the pearls will contain only happy news. There will be a particular person whose name we will not speak of in this podcast um, to give ourselves just a nice break and and put everybody in a more festive mood. So we wanted to start off by updating everyone on the Paris Climate Change Summit. Um, It looks like the world nations have come to a very long-term and ambitious agreement. Um, so here are kind of the the big picture items. The, I think the draft agreement that's circulating right now is like 31 pages, so we won't get into the weeds. But generally speaking, the objective is to limit global warming to well below 2 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. And that is, that is an ambitious goal. Um, Each nation pledges to cut its own greenhouse gas emissions by certain levels, and that will kick off in the 2020s. 
And then after that, um, nations are basically pledging to set continuous improvement objectives, I think about every five years. Developed nations are pledging financial resources to help developing countries pay for the cost of going green. Now, I think this is an interesting one, Mm -hmm. and I'm not sure exactly how this will play out, especially in the United States where our Congress would have to approve those dollars. Um, So we'll see how that lands, but in, in principle, I think it makes sense in the context of the larger agreement. And then finally, there are mechanisms for progress and accountability. The countries participating in this agreement pledged a global stock take in 2023. Just a side note, I like the word stock take. I feel like <laughs> there are opportunities in my life where I might need to plan some stock takes. That, that just really, like, resonated with me. Um, so 2023 and every five years after that. So this seems like a good thing, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like when I read about this climate change accord, I feel... Like, can we stop debating that climate change is a thing now that every single country has agreed to combat it? I've never understood debating that climate change is a thing. I mean, that seems to me like debating whether water's wet or something. Yeah, I, mean, I, I mean, I just feel like, you know, the only thing harder than getting scientists to agree, which, P.S., spoiler alert, they agree on this, is getting politicians to agree. And they agree. Look, they're even they agree. So let's just, let's, let's. We might not all agree on how to deal with it, but can we just get past that it's a thing? That would be good. If we could get past that it's a thing, then we can have disputes about how important of a thing it is, or I think more realistically how fixable of a thing it is. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, if all of – I go back to if all of the world's countries are coming together on any topic, that is good for the world. Yeah, global – you know what word I like? Global accord. Look at that. So nice. Just has because a nice ring to it, doesn't it? Once you start agreeing, I think agreement gets easier, right? Yeah. And and once you start setting ambitious goals, then you pave the way for all kinds of discovery and innovation and hopefully economic development. So, you know, I just think all of the climate change scrooges can, <laughs> you know, take a seat on this one. Yeah. Like, I, I think this is – you can – look, we can all day long – Um, have some nitpicking about the details. And certainly there are important details to be ironed out here. And and a big one, I think, in the United States is how much of this can get done with executive action. And just, you know, a little hint to President Obama. I'm I'm trying to help you out here. Like, instead of berating Congress about this and touting how you basically got this done for everybody all by yourself, just go back and sell them on it so that it doesn't get undone the second you're out of office, right? Yeah, There's I don't a know lot of good stuff here. I mean, um, you know, I love President Obama, and good job. But, like, I, I think you're right. I think maybe putting your name real in real big letters across of it, across the top of it, is perhaps not the best idea for its long-term success. And isn't that what we want here, right? Long-term success, not a short-term victory that is politicized to the point of being unraveled. It's sort of unlike him. I don't feel like he's like, he does that a lot. I feel like he's pretty happy not to take the credit on things. So I don't really know. He's getting mad, don't you think? I I think he's, he's yeah, I think he's, I think his, uh, what did he call it? His bucket list at the, (laughs) it rhymes with bucket list. Yeah, I think that's right. I think he's just like, you know what, people? I'm done. I'm done. 
Washington. He is done. He's like on the yeah. downhill slide. And I, I'm fine with that. I kind of dig it when presidents get into this part of the part of a two term. He's like it's like Obama colon. I do what I want now. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, so that's climate change. Um, our neighbor to the north has done something fantastic as well. So Canada, I mean, it's beautiful. It right? is. That How, picture warms my heart. It warms my heart Canada every time it across my Facebook feed. Welcoming. Canada has agreed to take 25,000 Syrian refugees for resettlement this year. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Which, mm-hmm, love him. And also, <laughs> side note, so cute. So cute. So cute. Well, his mother was like a famous movie star, apparently. He has that movie star vibe. Like, his father was the prime minister, but she was a movie star. The only thing I think that would be, like, more photogenic and heartwarming would be if, like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt were the prime minister. Oh, God, I love him so much. Is he Canadian? Wait, he's not Canadian, is he? I don't think he is. That just comes to mind for me as, like, you know, setting the height. He could totally, like, yeah. Jordan. I would buy Joseph Gordon-Levitt as, like, Justin Trudeau in a made-for-TV movie. They, somebody should get on that. Yeah, I would can watch we, that. Can we trademark that idea? All day. All day, people. Okay. So he greeted this group of Syrian refugees on Friday as they landed in Toronto, hands them coats, and says, you're safe at home now. It's wonderful. But even better than that, I think, is that this is something that the Canadian people seem to have consensus on. They're not arguing about this. It's not like half of them think we should welcome refugees. The other half think they should close the Canadian borders. The communities in Canada have really embraced this idea and churches, community organizations, private individuals are raising about 20,000 US dollars per family to resettle these refugees. Wow, that's amazing. There is a wonderful New York Times article which we can link to in the show notes um about about this effort and the little um anecdote that stuck out to me was about a couple named Robert and Jackie Nunn. Um, Robert, for his 65th birthday, was planning to buy a boat to celebrate the occasion. And he picked up um, information about the specific boat he was looking at. And at the same time, he picked up a flyer about resettling Syrian refugees in their community. And he read both on a plane and threw the flyer about the boat away, even though he notes that it sounds like a spectacular boat. Um, because he, he said, you know, he felt like this effort around these refugees would last for generations. And he said it became an easy choice how to spend the money oh, that he lovely. set aside for the boat. So, so nice. Merry Christmas. Exactly. This is This is how we do it. I feel like this is Canada saying, this is how you do it, United <laughs> yeah. States. Yep. So uh, next, like, completely different um, scope, but still, I think, pretty encouraging. Um, I read an article today about Malawi, and I did not realize the prevalence of child marriage in Malawi. But it apparently is families arranging marriages among their very young children is a way for them to settle debts among one another. I don't think many of us realize the prevalence of child marriage globally anyway. It's just shocking when you think about it. It's so antithetical to our culture. So in April, the Malawi government on a national basis passed a reform act raising the age to get married to 18 or 16 with parental consent. And a lot of child advocates are still arguing that they didn't go far enough because of that parental consent component. Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, this month, 
a female regional chief in the Dedza district. And I confess my geography in this part of the world is extremely poor. Um, but so I don't know how big of an area this is or how many people it impacts. Uh, but this female chief's name, I'm, I'm sure I'm not going to do it justice, is Inkosi Kanchi Damoto. Okay. And she annulled more than 300 child marriages and sent the children involved back to school. Wow. And that was her message that education is so important and these kids don't need to have their lives bound up in these family units of their that weren't of their choosing. So really, th- that's really encouraging, right? Like we don't sit around and think about the social justice and political progress happening in Africa often enough. Yeah. Uh, but this is, I think, really, really encouraging. That's awesome. No doubt okay. about it. So the last thing I have to bring to the table in our positive pearls before we compliment the other side, um, it, my husband laughed at me when I told him about this, but I love this. So <laughs> in Melbourne, Australia, a couple of years ago, city officials gave every tree in Melbourne an ID number and email address so that people could report problems like branches falling down and things like that. And so people are using that system, which I think is kind of genius. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But they're also emailing love letters to these trees. Love it. and, And we can link an article about this, too, that has some examples. But people say things like, you know, as I walk by you each morning, I can't help but notice your majestic branches. And I mean, it's just, and then there are some mundane ones and some very funny ones. Aren't you tired of this weather kind of things? Um, but I think that's great. And what a Listen, clever way to use technology. I love it. I'm sorry. I have favorite trees in my town. I have two in particular that I wait all year for these trees to change color in the fall. And one I posted, it's a, my friend told me which kind it is. It's some kind of like fiery maple or majestic maple, some kind of name like that the way it changed but it does they don't kind of change all at once it sort of starts at the bottom and goes up so it looks like it's on fire and I took a picture of it one day and everybody was like we love that tree can you post every week we don't live there anymore so I posted that tree changing color every week for five weeks people like trees and if you don't you're not paying attention because trees are amazing well and just especially in the fall I've been kind of struck on like giving the trees an email address because I agree trees are very personal and I do think we can feel a sense of relationship with trees. Um, but I wonder how much further that goes when it has an email address. And cause that feels like it has a name and an yeah. identity. And I, I don't know. I think that's, I think that's cool and fun and inexpensive, you know, a, a great way for the city to take care of business, but also to make people appreciate what's going on around them. I love, love it. it. Love it. Way to go, Melbourne. Thumbs up to our friends in Australia and Canada and Malawi today. Yep. Big thumbs up. So now we want to give thumbs up to our political opponents. So, Sarah, do you have a, a Republican? Oh, I feel like you got off kind of easy this time. I totally got off easy because Republicans generally, I feel like, okay, actually, I'm going to rephrase this. Republicans not running for president are doing a really great job of shutting down the the one who shall not be named. What is, that's how I'll start to refer to it. I like J.K. Rowling compared him to Voldemort anyway, so this works out perfect. He who shall not be named, mouthing off, as he is apt to do. And in particular, I was very impressed with Paul Ryan just getting in front of a podium, calling some members of the press and saying, this is bullshit and doesn't represent my party. He didn't say bullshit, but we all know he was thinking it. He was totally thinking it. He was totally thinking it. He heard you last week, and 
he shut it down, and he has a sexy beard. That's my problem. Well, I I have always loved everything about Paul Ryan. Not everything, but but like lots more about Paul Ryan than I love about most lawmakers. I, I, I and I he's very popular. A serious guy. If you read articles about him, even people like who you would think have a and do have nothing in common with him. They're like, he's so nice. Like, I feel like maybe it was Chuck Schumer. I read somebody, some article in, some, that, in the Democrat was like, oh, he's just such a nice guy. <laughs> like, his budget's crazy, but, man, he's so nice. <laughs> but also, can you say, like, anybody who will work on the budget in that level of detail is there to work? No, that's true. You no, know? well, that is some tedious stuff. And listen, I don't think it's at all surprising to say that Paul Ryan has presidential ambition. It is historically not a great thing to become Speaker of the House. It's very rare to become Speaker of the House and then run for president. So I very greatly appreciate. I don't think I'm not saying he can't do it, but I think he took a very big risk and a job he openly said he didn't want to take because certain members of the Republican House are a pain in the butt. And I just really respect him for being like, "Ugh, fine, I will whip this ship into shape." You know, like I do. I feel that. Totally agree, and I think it's sad that it's hard to to run for president after being speaker because you've established too much of a record. Like, that's not a great commentary right. on our um, presidential politics. But the other thing that I loved about him going into this job was saying, people, my family's important to me. I'm not going to spend all my free time raising money. Yep. So somebody else can do that if you We're want traveling. to take this job. They should stop doing that. Like, I get the PR message that was positive when they all came in and the – contract for america and they all said we're going to go back to our towns blah 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 that's a terrible idea it's terrible for them personally and i think it's terrible for the space in dc because i think they should be they should have to be there together socializing and getting along and working together well it kind of bit them too you know the, the group of republicans who really drove all of that a lot of them lost their seats to you know tea party candidates because i think they did kind of too good of a job um, in it, some like, ways. off on everybody. Now Democrats feel like they have to be going home all the time. I just don't think it's good for the collegial environment there. I agree with that. And I also think this takes me back to our episode where we talked about paternity leave. I think anytime men stand up and say, my family is important, I'm going to alter my career because of it. It's good for everybody. Great. Actually, okay. think, yeah, who's your person? Yay, Paul Ryan. I am going to compliment Cory Booker today. So less kind of topical, but I am a big Cory Booker fan. Um, and he's in my mind a little bit because I've been thinking about Chris Christie a lot lately. And the two of them have have really partnered on yeah. some important things in the state of New Jersey, which I think would be a very difficult state to govern. Oh, um, <laughs> to put it mildly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So, you know, I, I really appreciate the way they came together um, around sort of hurricane relief efforts. They've partnered on educational issues. I mean, they, they seem to genuinely like each other, and it just sets a good example. Not that it's without its tumultuousness, but I don't know. I appreciate the two of them. I think they're both very smart and very tough, and Cory Booker particularly. I think Chris Christie has more to gain politically from that friendship than Cory Booker does. Absolutely. You know, that's a it's a blue state. Cory Booker is super charismatic, certainly someone who I think people hope will run for president someday, mm-hmm. um, and I think has a real good shot at, at it. Um, so I feel like he has had to – it's a little further across the aisle for him to reach than yeah. for Governor Christie, and, and so, I really admire that. I have the best Cory Booker story. 
So I used to work at Senator Robert Menendez's office, the other senator from New Jersey. And he came in one time, and we all got to meet him. And I I think he was just waiting, and maybe I stepped up and introduced myself and told him that I wanted to run for office one day. And he was so amazingly encouraging. He was like, okay, when? What are you going to run for? Let's talk about this. Like, he was ready to plot my political career in the lobby. He gave me his personal cell phone number and said, text me the second you decide to run. I've texted him a couple times since then, and he always responds. Like, when he drug that woman out of a fire, I texted him and was like, I don't know if you remember me, but but," he's like, oh, my God, Sarah, yes. Are you back in Kentucky? Are you going to run? Like, seriously? That is awesome. He's amazing. He's amazing. Well, I'm happy to hear that he's, like, the real deal on that level, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just, like, so... I mean, he was pretty much like, okay, well, let's let's go tell the senator you're going to quit and go run for office. Come on. I'm like, no, 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 not right now. Don't want to quit my job yet, Corey. But he was just so encouraging. He's really into the idea that, you know, young people, passionate people need to be running for political office. Just like him. He's unbelievable. Well, and you get that sense that he's okay with the passion, whatever form it takes. Like, yeah. it doesn't have to be his particular brand of passion. So yeah. I, I love that. Yeah, he's wonderful. So are you feeling encouraged and uplifted by the girls today, Sarah? Yeah, I was really thinking while we did this that we should just do positive news every week. <laughs> it is nice, yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, we dive into deep stuff in the suit. Why can't we just keep the pearls nice and happy? I mean, we've covered serious things. There are serious good things that happen, too. Yes, and it's much more pleasant doing the research. <laughs> All right, well, next up we will put on the suit as it is, and dive into something a little more depth. holiday quote-unquote episode that we are stealing from basically my favorite person on the planet, Gloria Steinem. She posted this really great list of the top 10 things, her her Christmas wish list, what she wished for the world. I actually was inspired to write a post from about one of them was we've done a great, uh, one of the items was we've done a great job of raising our daughters like our sons. Now we need to raise our sons like our daughters. It was a good blog post, too. We should put it in the show notes. I, mean, it was, I thought it was one of your best, to be thank honest you. with Thank you. Thank you. I'd been marinating on it for a while, and I was pretty happy as I typed it away. I, I felt the I felt the, the, uh, the siren call of inspiration. I felt like they were surrounding me. I was feeling very inspired. Um, so we loved Gloria's idea. So we thought we here at Pantsuit Politics would make our own Christmas wish list, five items each of things we hope for the world. Beth, you want to, should we alternate or you want to list all yours and then I'll list all mine? I think we should alternate. Okay, you go first. Okay, so the first thing that I want for Christmas this year is just a simple acknowledgement by the medical community that the state of American maternity care is just effed up. That's okay. all I want. I just want them to admit it. Yeah. And this one is really personal. And I know that we both, we have a lot in common, actually, on this issue. Um, So I think it is a very political issue, but not a partisan issue at all. Um, I just feel like 
maternity care in the United States right now is all about money and risk management, but not risk management for the child, risk management for the provider. So let's not get sued is basically the theme. Um, And I think that it's driving women to, first of all, not even make choices. Like, I think informed consent with respect to maternity care is pretty much a joke unless you're willing, as I did, to buy every book on this topic basically ever written mm-hmm. and study harder about birth than you did for, I don't know, a couple of bar exams. <laughs> and, you know, really go in and advocate for yourself. And and what bothers me the most about this subject is that I worked harder on getting to a birth that I could live with, not even, an, you know, what I think is an ideal scenario. But I, I was lucky to have two normal healthy pregnancies and I still had to go to battle basically over the kind of care I wanted and more than that the kind of care I did not want and I did those things with every resource in the world you know supportive family financial resources to pay for things like chiropractic care and you know other other ways to support those healthy pregnancies I can't imagine well, I just think there's no chance if you don't have every single one of those pieces in place, you know, to, to do anything other than be on kind of an assembly line. So I, I think that's effed up, and I just – I would like – you don't even have to fix it, doctors. I just want you to say out loud, yeah, we're probably not doing a very good job here. So did you read the article I posted in my email a couple of weeks ago by Atul Gawande called The Score from The New Yorker? It's a couple of years old. No, I haven't read it. It's amazing. I love him. Everyone should read everything Atul Gawande writes. We can start there. Um, And I loved him so much, and I didn't even realize he'd written an article about this. But his kind of thesis was that we all shifted, like, basically the outcomes were so bad for maternity care, even with kind of the modern advent of obstetrics, until we had an APGAR sport, which was invented by a female anesthesiologist who just thought, you know, we're not doing this properly. And... So the score really gave people an objective way to measure the outcomes of birth. But what it also did was give us an objective way to measure the outcomes of birth. And so in in a way it was good, but in a way it shifted the focus really to this success mindset, like as opposed to a more um, in a way subjective view of the baby and the mother and, you know, what's best. Um and I learned a lot from the article. One is that, you know, um, oh, I've totally blanked on the word. The word, the tool they use to pull the baby out. Forceps? Forceps, which I always had a really negative view of. But apparently, you know, there's an art to using forceps, which is like basically it's easier if you're not a great doctor to do a C-section than if you don't have, you're not a great doctor and you don't have a lot of practice to use forceps. You can obviously harm, greatly harm the baby if you do forceps wrong. But it's also has a like better it's easier on the mother and it's a better outcome for her and the baby. But you know, with the use of the Apgar score, we just focus so much on get them out, get them healthy. It's like I said, it's sort of an easy quote unquote easy surgery to do. And I mean he just does a really good job of kind of laying out how we got here, which I think is always important if you want to decide how we're gonna move on. I mean, I'm not gonna we we I we gotta pull out quick because this is I could talk. We obviously both of us. We should do a whole episode on this. Let's just be honest. We should do a whole episode. I've on had it. two home births, one hospital birth, all natural births. So yeah, we should just. But yes, I agree. Obviously, it's. I think it's getting better, but it's nowhere where it needs to be. 
So I'll do my, my issue next, which is related. Let's also acknowledge that we do not care for families in this country in the way of any real um, societal or governmental or corporate policies on family leave or subsidized child care or anything of the sort. It's just, it's a sad sack. And it's so, you know, I had a friend who recently had an extensive conversation about this. And she was in this, you know, she worked in an arena that, a very, like, progressive, nonprofit arena where you would think it would be so accepted. Like, oh, my God, yes, if we have the opportunity, we should really give more paid family leave. And it was just, it was like she was, they were talking about aliens from another planet again. Like, what, you know, well, that's crazy. No, it's not. Everywhere in the U.S. has this. It's not crazy. It's not a crazy thing. But I it's think it's not crazy. And I thought the John Oliver episode about this was really good. Did you see that? No, I haven't seen that one. He he makes the point that, and and this I, I'll tell you, this is one of the things that sort of changed my perspective on this issue because I was of the mindset that um, this is not an area that deserved federal regulation. Deserved is not the right word, but it wasn't appropriate for federal regulation. Um, and, and maybe it still, maybe I still have to have that debate with myself a little bit. But what changed my mind about the importance of the issue and the need for regulation around the issue is how much she pointed out this the impact on low-income families. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a real distinction. I mean, obviously, we have some companies out there doing amazingly generous things. I think the Netflix policy is amazing, and it's one of, you know, quite a few good and creative examples. I was fortunate to work for an employer who's super supportive and flexible during my leaves, but um, but low-income families really get hit on this topic, and to the point where, like, it's impossible to have healthy outcomes for the baby or the mother, really. Well, and it's just, you know, like, you read that story. I don't know if you read the editorial in the New York Times. The woman wrote, like, her baby died in the first day she dropped it off on daycare. Did you read that story? I did. Oh, I can't Horrifying. take it. It's the worst. And, you know, just the idea that, you know, mothers are, you know, you have real medical horror stories of hemorrhaging and all these things. If you – if we don't support these people if we don't support new mothers and babies. I mean, what do we stand for as a society? I'm sorry. Like, this is, I don't understand. I think it's just, my friend and I had this discussion. I think to a large extent, it's such a generational thing. And I think there's a lot of, we survived without it. Why do you need it? Which really bugs me. Like, don't you want better for us? But, yeah, I would really like, I think we're getting there. I think we really are. But I would like more movement. I would like more support for families. Agree. Well, moving totally in a different direction now. Um, my second thing I would like for Christmas, and I know that this is going to be a hard one for some, I would like to have a moratorium on snark <laughs> um, that is delivered without context. So I think that's an important distinction. Like, I love snark. I just referenced John Oliver, so clearly I'm, <laughs> I'm into humor, and I can totally laugh at positions, even the ones that I hold that get a little bit ridiculous. So I'm all about being funny, um, especially being funny in a way that makes a point. But what is driving me crazy are all the snarky memes on social media that I think just take people further. Like, I just think it makes everybody double down. Yeah. Right? And they, and it seems like you can't possibly have a discussion 
Um, I, I saw so many about the the Syrian refugee crisis, and, and it's clear from all of our episodes, I think, that we both believe that the United States should be a beacon of hope and freedom for refugees. Mm-hmm. Um, putting that aside, I do understand the security questions around it. I don't think people who disagree on that are stupid. Um, and, and some of what I saw on Facebook, and they're, like, delivered in these little cartoons. Yeah. I mean, it's just – it's. It's not promoting good dialogue, which is obviously kind of our mission. Um, Well, and I just, I mean, when people post them on my threads, I just say, you know, I don't really think that graphics are the way to engage. If you, like, I understand the article data posting wars can get ridiculous, and I'm totally guilty of that. But, like, post that before you post a graphic with, you know, bold font. I'm over Well, it's a graphic that belittles anybody who disagrees with you. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it is. It's really about saying my position is the only position and everyone who disagrees with me is an idiot. And I'm going to not only call them an idiot, but I'm going to laugh about it. I don't know. I just don't like, I don't it, like and it. And I want us to stop. I mean, it really needs to be, we really need to talk to radio stations. I feel like they are the main perpetrators. Every time somebody shares one of those, it's like from 96.5, the the tunes you know like do you ever notice that they all come from radio stations why are they doing that i don't don't know i don't get it they're definitely not trying to further discussion i can tell you that much no so no snark without context if you're going to be snarky and flesh it out like so i want to point out an example of snark that's good i think what john stewart is doing around first responders care like that's the use of snark for good instead of evil. Mm-hmm. So, But it has all of this context, right? It's not just, hey, let me be funny. It's like, let me tell you about this. Right. And then use some humor to illustrate the absurdity. It's also of- not funny when you're like that. Like, I, I'll, let you get about, uh, I'll let you get away with almost everything if you're funny. Yes. But that stuff's not funny. It's not funny. And it makes me, even when I agree with a position, it kind of makes me feel a little bit ill, like, ugh. I don't even like myself now for agreeing with this person. I don't know. So we just need to stop. I agree. So my next thing I would like is I would like people to actually educate themselves about the Black Lives Matter movement instead Mm -hmm. of reacting to it in a knee-jerk fashion. So I had somebody tell me the other day, oh, well, I heard that the Black Lives Matter promotes that they want their own place to live. Mm Mm-mm. Nope, nope, nope. Nope, they're not promoting segregation. That's not it. Black Lives Matter has a website, a very good website, I'd like to say, with their principles and what they support. And instead of just reacting, well, all lives matter, I'd like people to actually read about the movement because it's very powerful and it's very important. And I think we need to move past knee-jerk reactions to discussions about race in this country. And I think the Black Lives Matter movement offers a really great opportunity to do that and I think we should seize it that's on my wish list I also stole that one from Gloria Steinem <laughs> it was also on her wish list well it's it's interesting in terms of just if you have any interest in sort of organization yeah. generally it's it's a really fascinating movement and I agree with you it's important I I think it's bizarre the way that people just meet it with immediate hostility so I wish I thought it was bizarre. I think that's expected. I think race brings that. I mean, you know, it makes people so uncomfortable. It just does. And we have got to get past it. Not past it. I mean, I'm not even saying, like, 
let's all not be uncomfortable about rights. If that's not going to ever happen, that's fine. Let's be uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable thing. We have a long, very, very disturbing history with race in this country. And instead of just feeling uncomfortable and avoiding it, we need to sit with our uncomfortableness and talk about it. Okay? That's okay. I know it's hard. I know it's scary. I know that the Black Lives Matter movement makes white people uncomfortable. That's okay. That's fine. Let's sit with it and deal with it and stop running and reacting to it. Because, like I said, it's a really powerful movement. It's a very, like, organizationally, you're totally right. And their principles are amazing. So I encourage everyone to go check out the Black Lives Matter website. If you're looking for a very quick salon quality, but not salon priced manicure, Olive and Jean has you covered. We've talked about Olive and Jean's Manny system before. It has everything that you need for a professional manicure in one box, salon grade tools, your choice of six polishes. Those polishes are gonna last you for seven days or more. The cost breaks down to about $2 a manicure. Olive and June also has press-ons if you want. What I love though, is that Olive and June each season is coming out with new colors. And I just got a set of spring and summer colors in quick dry polish. And they say this dries in about a minute. It seemed dry to me in about 30 seconds. It was not kidding about being quick dry. I also love the light colors in this set. There is a huge range. My favorite one is called Kitten. It's like a pinkish gray. The quick dry polish gives you full coverage in one or two coats. It lasts for more than five days and it is offered in more than 40 cruelty-free and vegan polishes. Olive and June just understands what's happening in our lives, that we need to move quickly, but we want to look great and feel great and have fun in the process. Visit oliveandjune.com slash pantsu for 20% off your first system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash P-A-N-T-S-U-I-T for 20% off your first Manny system. Just finished A Court of Thorns and Roses and craving another fantasy world to devour? Dipsy's got you. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pantsuit. So the next thing that I would like for Christmas is some kind of agreement that horizontal thinking is valuable. And here's what I mean by that. I saw this wonderful interview with Jillian Tett. She is a financial journalist who has written a book called The Silo Effect, which is on my list for the winter. I cannot wait to read it. Um, But in that book, she and in this discussion, she talked a lot about how we have become so educationally advanced in some ways that we only value vertical thinking, like Mm -hmm. depth of knowledge in one very narrow area. And because of that, we don't have many people who think horizontally anymore. And it leads to, well, I mean, healthcare is a great example of this. You're seeing all these specialists, but no one is looking holistically at a person. I would just like to say, to to call back, that is totally a Tulawandi thing. Like, the specialization has gone too far. We're missing the point. He talks about that with obstetric care. He talks about that in end-of-life care. Like, he would be your boy. Well, and you can see it in business. You can see it in politics. I mean, really, you can just look everywhere and think, oh, my gosh, we have so valued experts that we no longer have problem solvers. And, well, it, and you know what's so interesting, too? I'm sorry. This um, I sound like a disciple now, but he, I told Guani has this book called The Checklist Manifesto. And the thing is, is, like, if you take specialty, specialization so far – it it can it can only take you so far. Our minds can only handle so much, and even at the highest level of specialties. And so even it's not even just about that we're missing the picture horizontally. It's that it doesn't serve us vertically if we don't have teamwork and accountability. Because one person, even highly specialized, can't solve all the problems. And that's true in every arena. Absolutely. And I think that what we need and and we desperately need this in our education system. We need more um, emphasis on seeing the connections, among, like visualizing the matrix, right? Yeah. So that's on my, I would like us to know that and do something about it for Christmas. I, that's a perfect transition. You even kind of, spoiler alert, got to my next one, which is I really would like us to rethink just our education system as a whole. I think that it is outdated and it is not serving us well. And I say that as a mother of a public school student. So, you know, I'm not, I don't feel like my child is getting a bad education, but I think we could be, I think the teachers in particular are amazing at my child's school. I think that um, everybody's really trying the best they can within the framework they've been given, but I think it's the framework that's the problem. I think the way we think about educating kids is outdated and it needs to be changed. Do you have like specific thoughts about that? Yeah, I think that, um, I think it's sort of what you were saying. I think that we don't, we put an emphasis, still put a lot of emphasis on um, memorization and um, sort of linear thinking as opposed to analytical thinking and problem solving skills. 
it's it's gotten a lot better. And hey, you know that's just some positive news we left out of the heat or the pearls, which is they got rid of no child left behind and the overemphasis yes. on testing. But I just think you know, and there's places in the country where we're doing this. I just think I, I don't know how realistic this is. <laughs> But I think we just need to, like, go back to the drawing board and really think, rethink everything from how how we rearrange classrooms to how we teach certain subjects to, I mean, everything. So there are two TED Talks that I think are fantastic on this point. Um, one of them is among, like, the most viewed TED Talks of all time, and the names of both speakers are not coming to me. We'll post them in the show notes. Um, but the speaker in that TED Talk talks about how we think of our bodies only as vehicles for driving our brains around, <laughs> and we, we don't understand at all the, the connection between body and mind, and, and he talks about how there are forms of intelligence that are wholly linked to movement, and we don't recognize that mm-hmm. in our educational system, I guess, until we sort of commoditize those talents in the form of, you know, college athletes, but that's another topic as well. Um, and the other TED Talk that I think is great, and I know that I think you even were inspired to write a post about this one, Sarah, the multi-potentialite Oh, I love idea. the multi-potentialite. I, I love this TED Talk about, and this really gets to the horizontal That's thing what I was going to say. That definitely seems like they're related. You know, it's just just the idea that there are some of us who never kind of settle into one thing to have is our thing forever and ever. Um, we are people who dive into something, really, really embrace it, and then maybe solve a problem or two there and move on. Yeah. Um, and and there isn't really a place for any of that today. Agreed. So totally agree with you. Okay, I would like. This is kind of a, a lofty one. Oh, not that any of these are not lofty, <laughs> but I would really like a long-term strategic plan for federal programs to be developed. Mm -hmm. I just think the way that we are running the government, which is a gigantic organization, super complex and completely important to every aspect of our society. And that is true, whether you believe in limited government or not, right? It's government is important, even if it should be small, right? We should have a plan. There should be some kind of framework. And we've talked about this before. You can't, with the passage of the transportation bill, hooray for passing something that's not just some short-term stopgap measure. Like, I think that it would be a really valuable exercise to get our Congress together and say, hey, what are we really trying to do for the next five years or so? Mm -hmm. And it would provide a little bit of continuity um, despite elections. Certainly elections would be voters' opportunity to weigh in on the validity of that plan and its execution, but but I just feel like there needs to be some kind of big picture notion about what we're trying to be as a country and how all of these programs fit into that. You know, you talked about... Well, I feel like the problem is the strategic plan is not the other guy. That's not a strategic plan. Like, I feel well, like... You know what I mean? I feel like the driving principle, depending on what party in charge is, the opposite of the other party. Okay, no, guys, no. Right. And, like, so I thought you had a great example when you talked about Arthur Brooks's book and um, the food stamp program. Mm-hmm. What are we really trying to accomplish? I think you could say that about so many things. The Veterans Administration. 
what is our priority with respect to running? We, we all complain about the VA right now. What is the strategic priority? Is the first thing healthcare for veterans? Is the first thing economic security? Is the first thing dealing with mental health issues? Like, what are we trying to do? And how do all these different pieces fit together to accomplish it? And well, that's and I, something I appreciate about Carly Fiorina's agenda, including this zero-based budgeting idea, because I think it would force this conversation. Well, and I feel like those I'm sure those planning kind of meetings happen within each specific bureaucracy, but I guess that's the, the problem, <laughs> right? The overall problem is that they're not talking to each other and they're happening within the administrative arm of the government, but not, they're not talking and working it out with the other arms of the government. And how much more confidence would the legislative branch have in the administrative arm of the government if they were on the same page in this way? So, mm-hmm. Well, yours is lofty, but I don't think my next one is lofty. I think I'm going to get it next year for Christmas. I want a female president. That's what I want for Christmas by next year. Dang it. So um, I would prefer that president be Hillary Clinton, um, obviously. And I think that it could happen. I just went to see the suffragette movie, and it got me all fired up about how hard uh, women have fought for political involvement and political participation. And I really think that, to a certain extent, the best way to watch all that come to fruition is to watch a woman be sworn in. I mean, we've been around for a long time, guys, and 50% of the population hadn't got to play. And I think it's time. Well, I would also like a female president, but maybe not in 2016. <laughs> <laughs> Tired of waiting. I want one now. Well, so that's a good segue, I think, for my last one, which is I would really like to see us decommoditize our elections and what I mean by that I I don't even want to go into like campaign finance because I think that's thorny and I, we can talk about that sometime and, and should and we could do a whole thing on that but what I really mean is like I think he who shall not be named is doing well because he's a brand and we have turned our elections into competitions amongst brands instead of competitions of ideas um, and I think you know, all of the candidates have an aspect. Honestly, I think that's why Bernie Sanders is doing well. He's a consistent yeah. brand yeah. and has been his whole career. And so is Barack uh, Obama. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's what Barack Obama did brilliantly, it's right? The change poster. That's right. So I just, I think that's, I think that's unworthy of our democracy. I understand there is a component of sales in everything. So I'm not trying to live in a dream world. I get that you've got to have a logo and whatever, but I wish that we could, and this just, I think, gets to dialogue and attention span and all the things we talk about all the time on this show, but I I want us to be about more than the brand of each candidate. I agree. Well, so that sort of leads into my final one, which is I would just like to see everyone be a little less cynical about politics and a little more involved. I would like everyone to stop talking about politicians like they're dogs and start um, just getting involved. Yeah, getting involved in your local party or getting involved in your local government, going to a city hall or city commission meeting, making your voice heard. Um, Especially, you know, people of our generation, I think it's time for us to step up and let our voices be heard and understand that, you know, it's really not just about – they're doing a bad job and they're terrible people that it's complicated and um, nothing is ever easy in politics, but that doesn't mean it's not worth your effort. 
totally agree. And can I just add on like a 10A there? (laughs) Like, and this goes, I guess, with my snark comment a little bit. I'd like just less cynicism in general. All of the comments um, attacking Mark Zuckerberg for his extremely profound gift. That just bugged me. Well, that's so cynical. I mean, I understand, like, what's the point? If someone says, here, I've got, like, $95 billion, and I want to do some good in the world with it, what do you care if it's in an LLC or a partnership or a – And I don't even think – I don't think the cynicism was well-placed at all. I was really surprised. I read – somebody posted on one of my threads to be like, oh, well, it wasn't – he wasn't blah, 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 you know. And it was a – it was somebody from ProPublica who I usually really like and really respect their form of journalism. But – it was just, you know, well, it's an LLC. What I'd heard is that basically they did it on purpose because they felt too limited by the nonprofit structure. They wanted to be able to invest in companies they felt like were making a difference. They did want to be able to lobby and support candidates they thought would make a difference. And good for them because they good should be able them. to. If you feel like the, the traditional, that's my favorite part about Mark Zuckerberg and our generation and Silicon Valley is if it's not working, change it and so i say kudos mark zuckerberg you and your llc go out and make a difference and the you know i loved his statement about we believe in hope and we want a better world and this is how we think it was going to happen i totally i think that cynicism it's not here's the thing you can hold somebody you can ask questions and you can hold somebody responsible and you can say um i question what this will mean i question what this will what the outcome of this will be that is all highly appropriate especially when he's making a big statement with a lot of money no one's saying put him up on a pedestal and don't question what he's doing that's not the point but just to say to react so cynically as to act like he had some ulterior moments and not give him the benefit of the doubt i don't think they're mutually exclusive to give someone the benefit of the doubt and to be intelligent and skeptical in a healthy way like i don't think those are mutually exclusive like why can't we investigate and be responsible human beings, but also be supportive of someone doing something positive and give another human being the benefit of the doubt? Bug me. Well, that's that's what I go to. Like, something I'm trying to practice in my personal life is just to start off assuming the best. Yep. Brene Brown. Everybody you know, do the best they can. That's right. And we had this great exchange on the Fancy Politics Facebook page about gun control, where the the conversation got totally reframed by sort of, Let's assume that people on both sides of the debate think they're protecting the country. Yeah, you did something. That was you. That was very good. And it just completely, and it brought everyone together to this, and kudos to the people involved in that exchange. Mm-hmm. I just loved it. I just kept thinking more of this, please. Like, But I think that's the thing. If you just start off by, I'm going to assume Mark Zuckerberg um, means what he says and is going to give this money away for a good thing. I'm right. gonna, I don't know. So, you know, 10A. Cynicism generally, if we could limit it, it would be cool. That would be great. I agree. We're on board with that. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, 
And Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered shower head purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code Pantsuit at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. ideas, but I have some wrapping ideas that I wanted to talk about because I do love wrapped gifts. Um, I do too, but I don't can't say I love wrapping them. Well, so part of the reason that I find wrapping more challenging these days is because I have a helper, you know, who's yeah. not so maybe helpful. Yeah. So one thing that we have done that has been really successful is instead of buying like paper that's already decorative paper, 
I'm buying just plain white, like, butcher block paper. I just got my a child. giant roll of that. Literally, so, my aunt just dropped off a giant roll of that. So it's awesome. And my daughter, Jane, colors it, puts stickers on it, paints it, whatever. Genius. And she's busy not trying to tape and cut, right? Mm-hmm. And people love that, right? Yep. Like, that's so much more fun than, you know, I've done that. I've like saved, saved their, um, like, coloring certain worksheets and crafts, and I wrap in those. But those are usually kind of small pieces of paper, so they have to be small gifts. I've also started doing it for our cousins. I decided it was important to me that my boys send birthday cards to their cousins. And so we just take a piece of construction paper, we fold it in half, and we stick one of our, or we just use an artwork we made from school, and that becomes a birthday card. We write happy birthday and send it off. Well, so my other tip is instead of doing bows, sometimes I will print just like four by six photos of the girls and stick those on the presents, and people much prefer that I am finding, yeah. you know, to a bow. And it's less expensive. I mean, nice ribbon. Yeah, and you can stack them. Bows and are, you can stack them. Bows are annoying because you can't stack. Exactly. So those are my gift wrapping ideas. Love it. Go forth and make cute presents. That's a great idea. So my gift idea that makes my life a lot easier, I've done it two different ways. Last year around – um Full confession, this is a limited use. Well, not necessarily. I'm going to keep going. Um, so last year I did this in advance. In November, I made ornaments. I made a, I took that dry, air-dried clay, and I rolled it out, and I got a Kentucky cookie cutter, and I made Kentucky. I punched out a bunch of Kentuckys, and I poked a hole in them, and I painted them gold, and I strung them up on twine, and I made Kentucky ornaments. Cute. And I wrapped them all up, and that I had teacher presents. Because at this point, between Griffin, Amos, and Felix, I have like 10 teachers. So I had teacher presents. I also had a bunch of hostess presents because, you know, always last minute you go to a party and you're like, oh, shoot, I need something for the hostess. And so um, that way I had teacher presents, hostess presents, or like if I went to um, the lady who cleans my house or my therapist or all these people, you know, that provide a service that I love and I use regularly, I had something ready for them. And it worked out so beautifully. And this year I've just I've saved up or been kind of throughout the year, but you could totally just go to Michael's and go down the little aisle. And I just bought up a bunch of cute little knickknacks or kitchen gadgets. So I still have kind of a huge box ready of little bitty presents, ready for teachers, ready for hostess gifts, or ready for small thank yous throughout the holiday season. And it just makes everything a lot easier. That's a great idea. And my friend Jessica, just she just buys a case of wine and she passes that out. Well, I like that, too. And one other, like, gift wrapping thing, so your teacher thing made me think of this. My um, my daughter has, like, eight teachers at school, and so we're just doing, like, Starbucks gift cards for them. But I wanted to put them on something cute. There are all kinds of free printables if you search that on Pinterest. But confession, I'm not the kind of person who says things like, thanks a latte. That's just not... <laughs> <laughs> not really my style. So um, I wanted to make something cute that looks like one of those printables and that it's professional, but maybe not so 
not that cute. <laughs> um, so today I discovered Canva.com. Have oh, you that's, been to Canva? Oh, heck yeah, that thing's amazing. I use it it is amazing. It's oh. graphic design for people with no skill whatsoever. Yeah. And it's so easy to use. I popped my daughter's face on a little ornament and surrounded it with other little ornaments and just made, like, this cute little card that I'm going to attach the gift cards to. And it looks professionally done if I do say so myself it took me about 15 minutes and I am thrilled with it there you go oh yeah canva's amazing pick is really easy to use too but canva already has some already together and it's all free and just drag and drop I love yep. to drag and drop yep yep that's a great tip all right well this is can we just keep every episode this positive this is so nice <laughs> You mean you feel different than after we talk about violence or something? Oh, yeah. I mean, I love it. I know it's important, but this is just the, let's just do a holiday episode forever, every week for, for all of the times. Well, thank you everybody for joining us. As always, one more time, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. We'd like to thank my husband, Nicholas Holland, for being the producer of this episode. Our intro, interstitial, and outro music is Fourth and Starlight Road Instrumental by Minden and is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial 3.0 International License. And happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays.